last Sunday morning, I asked you to fill out a little card and to simply put on that card, if you could ask God for one thing, what would that be? And uh, boy, I got an interesting uh, variety of requests, but by far the largest number of cards that came in had to do with family. Um, many of them for God to save their children, some for God to save a spouse, some for God to bring restoration, healing, but everything uh, was connected there with family. And that was, like I said, by far the majority of the cards that came in. So for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking to you about family because we want to uh, respond to what's on your heart. And uh, let, me, let me tell you, uh, I was encouraged when I saw family taking such a high spot in the priority list of things that you would ask God for because uh, God is interested in family in a big way as we shall see this morning. So I'm starting a series today, and today's just kind of laying the foundation, and we'll get into more specifics as we go along, and I hope for the next several weeks that uh, what we share with you will, will be helpful. But I'm entitling this series, Family Matters. Family Matters. Now, um, be sure you get the right definition of that word because there, <laughs> there's more than one meaning. Uh, we're not talking about matters of the family, which is one definition, but we're talking about the fact that family really does matter. Family really is important. Family really should take top priority in our thinking. So I wanna, I'm going to give you a couple passages of Scripture for my text today, kind of lengthy. I don't usually... Uh, use that much uh, scripture for my text, but I'm, I'm going to springboard off of these two passages from the book of Psalms. First of all, in Psalms chapter 145, the first four verses, the psalmist said, I will extol you, my Lord. Now, don't let that word extol you mess you up because that's an old English word that simply, it, it's synonymous with praise and worship. He's basically saying, I'll exalt your name, O Lord, I'll praise you. Exactly what we've been doing here this morning. We have been extolling or giving high praise to the Lord. Oh, he said, you're my king, and I'll bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Can somebody say Amen. And his greatness is unsearchable. Here's the phrase from this that I want to tie into the family. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Then in Psalms chapter 78, verses 5 to 7, for he established a testimony in Jacob and he appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandment. Let me tell you, the very first institution that God created or established was the family. 
the first one. Before anything else, he established the family. And uh, so the family as an institution is number one on God's priority list. Isn't that interesting? Uh, if, the, if your business is more important to you than your family, then you got your priorities mixed up. This statement may shock you, but if church is more important to you than your family, you don't have it in order. Family was God's first institution. Josh McDowell was once asked, uh, somebody said, uh, Mr. McDowell, we've heard your teachings, read your books, and uh, help us out here. Uh, uh, our priorities should be like this, family first, then ministry, then work, and then they listed a whole bunch of things. And Josh McDowell stopped them and said, whoa, what did you say starting that off? They said, family, then ministry. He said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, family is your ministry. In fact, that's the greatest ministry that any of us have, is our family. You've heard me tell many times, but I'll quickly repeat it, but when I was just a, a teenager, I heard, um, I heard Dr. Uh, Cecil B. Knight read the Scripture, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? And then he said, I've made kind of a homespun scripture. He said, now this is not from the word, but there's certainly implications from the word that would back this up. But he said, I say to myself on a regular basis, what would it profit me if I preached the gospel to the whole world and lost my own children? So our family is our ministry. In fact, the most important ministry that we will ever have is our family. I want to tell you, number one this morning, that God deals generationally. Did you know that? God deals generationally, not just with you. God is concerned with your whole family, and he is also interested and concerned about your posterity, the generations that will follow you. Let me, let me give you a couple of scriptures here from Hebrews chapter 11, that great faith chapter of the Bible, talks about Noah in verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen, moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. When you think about the ark, uh, so many times we think about that, that great big ark, and maybe some of you have been to the, to the ark encounter where they've got a replica of the ark, and, and you think of the ark as that great big floating vessel that God used to save all the animals. That's not why Noah built the ark. First of all, he built it because he was obedient to the instruction of God. But this verse of Scripture says right here, let me back up and read it again. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. God was interested in the animals, but God was more interested in Noah's family. And I want to tell you this morning that God is interested in your family as well. In fact, it's always been a comforting thought for me and for my wife to know that as much as we love our children, our Heavenly Father loves them even more. Did you know that? 
Make sure your neighbor gets that and tell them, say, God really loves your kids. He does. He really does. He loves them even more than you do because he can love them with a perfect love. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> if, if you go on in Genesis to chapter 10 and verse 5, you'll discover Noah's family taken off. From these, the coastline people of the Gentiles were separated into their lands, everyone according to his language, according to their families, into the nations. Noah started off with just a little family, but then just a few generations later, they are multiplying into nations. You have no idea what the future holds for your descendants or even how many they will be. Remember way back there in the Old Testament when, when God spoke to Abraham and he said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make a nation out of you. Now, Abraham was already an old man and his wife was so old she had already passed childbearing years. And yet God said, I'm going to make a nation out of you. So God performed a miracle. God renewed and restored their youth and gave them a baby when she was 90 and he was 100. How would you like that? Wow. But the promise was a nation. They got one kid named Isaac. How are you going to have a nation out of one kid named Isaac? Well, keep reading, folks. Isaac had twins, or his wife did, Jacob and Esau. Men, aren't we glad that God chose the women to have the babies? <laughs> Probably wouldn't be but one a family if we had to have them. <laughs> Isaac had twins. Boy, this nation thing's really going in. He got one. Next generation got two. But keep reading, folks. That, uh, that Jacob guy and that Esau guy, both of them had great big families, and their families had big families. And before long, from one came a nation. You, you have no idea what your posterity may be like. <laughs> You've heard me say a number of times through the years that when I got married, I told my wife I wanted seven boys. And the reason I wanted seven boys is because our family ended with me. I'm an only child. And I'm, I'm the last in my daddy. Now, daddy, my dad came from a big family. He had 10 brothers and sisters. And his sisters had boys. But his brothers, there were three of them, they only had girls. My dad's the only one that had a boy. And I'm it. So the Bowen name ended with me, and I want to get this thing going. So I told my wife, and Faye likes big families, so she had no problem with that. So let's have a big family. Let's pray God gives us seven boys. <clears throat> when God gave us dynamite and nitroglycerin, <laughs> we lost that desire for seven boys. In fact, there's been a few times when I thought I was going to end the line <laughs> right here. <laughs> I, said, I said, thank you, Lord. That's, uh, I'm, I'm happy and satisfied. So we got two to get this going. Now, 
Now my boys started having, their wives started having girls. So, so I got four grandchildren, but three of them are girls. But I got one boy. So we're back down to one to get this family going again. And now, and now the, the girls are having boys, but they got the names of their husbands. So it's all up to Andrew. And Andrew's first baby was a girl. She's precious, wonderful, love her dearly. But hey, guess what? Year before last, Andrew's wife had a little boy. <laughs> Next generation, Bowen, on my birthday. Ain't God good. Amen. <laughs> so, so I've got Asher James Bowen on my birthday. We celebrate the same birthday together. But, but so far, that's that's it. It's down two generations to another boy. And um, I, I, I told my dad, I said, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to get this, get this Bowen name going. And my dad said to me, son, this Bowen name ain't really all that great. <laughs> in fact, there's a lot of skeletons in the closet in and uh, if this Bowen name ends with you, that, that'll be fine. If God gives you girls, you just be as pleased with girls as you would if God gave you boys. Because, and listen to this profound statement, God does not give you children to carry on your name. God gives you children to carry on his name. Amen. Amen. And girls can do that just as good as boys. And all the ladies said? Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so uh, I'm not worried about, you know, if, if uh, Asher James is the last of the Bowen names, that's not what's important. What's important is that the name of Jesus is going forward. And so what was an only child has two children, and now the two children had four children, and, 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 and now the four children, we've got the fifth great-grandchild coming on right away, and all of them grandchildren are still young, and we may, we may have a, a nation. <laughs> you, you just don't know what's in the future. You don't know. But God deals generationally. Now, let's look at it in a spiritual sense because the Apostle Paul wrote this in a letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. In other words, Paul said, listen, as important as the natural family is and as concerned as God is with the natural family, what God really wants is a heavenly family. Yes, and, and he wants to be, God the Father wants to be the father of us all. And, and, and he sent his son Jesus to make that possible through uh, his sacrifice on Calvary so that we could become united into the family of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so Paul said, I bow my knees, I worship, I praise God, not because of the Pauline family, but because of the heavenly family that he's now a part of. 
And may I say to you this morning, whether you have natural children or don't have natural children has nothing to do with the, whether you're able to be productive in the kingdom of God. Praise God. If you've been born again, you're in the family of God. And if you reach out and help other people get into the family of God, they're your spiritual children. Amen. And, and, and you can have a big family anyway. And that's the one that really counts. Now, here's something interesting about life and DNA and the way all of this stuff works. Blessings and curses go from generation to generation according to Scripture. And I want to deal with both the curses and the blessings. Now, the curses, according to the Scripture, go to the third and fourth generation. Did you know that that, that means if, if there is a propensity in, in me that, that is not good, if there's sin that I'm involved in and... and, and it, not, it affects more than just me. It affects my children. And it also affects my children's children. And it affects my children's children's children. It affects my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, and all of the way to my great-great-grandchildren. That's how far the curse goes. Let, let me give you an example of this in Scripture. We talk about Abraham, the father of the faithful. He was a great man of God, and, and most of the time we're talking about his great faith, and he certainly deserves every good thing we can say about him. But he was not a perfect man. He had some areas where he kind of fell short. How many of you understand there's some things it's just easier to have faith for than others? Has anybody experienced that besides me? There's some things I can just believe God for just as easy. I just, you know, other things it's more difficult. I have to work on. I have to get into the Word. I have to really pray. Abraham had, a, had an area of his life. I mean, he could believe God for all kind of miracles. But there was one area of his life where he had trouble exercising his faith. Look at it in Genesis chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south. And he dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said to Sarah his wife, uh, said of Sarah his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. In other words, he was going to add her to his harem because she was a good looking woman. And, uh, and, and, and Abraham, in fact, he made the, he, his wife do that he was going to tell us a little white lie because <laughs> he talked to her about it. He said, uh, he said, you're such a beautiful young lady. He said, uh, I'm, I'm afraid when we travel into foreign countries where they don't know me and they're liable to kill me to just take you. And uh, so he said, let's, let's just do this. We'll just tell them that you're my sister. Now, the reason I call that a little white lie, although there's really no such thing, <laughs> but I'm just using it for a point of illustration. Really, folks, it's either true or it's not. You understand that. But, but this was kind of a half lie because Sarah, although he's telling a lie, she was not his sister, but she was his half-sister. So he was half right. 
Now, I don't know which part, I don't know which side of Sarah was his sister and which side of Sarah was not his sister. <laughs> Just a half, but, but, but she was his half-sister. So you might say he was telling a half-truth, which really is a whole lie. Now, here, here's a, an interesting thing about the grace of God. How many of you are grateful for the grace of God? Even though Abraham was a great man, in this instance, he messed up. Number one, he didn't exercise his faith. Number two, he told a lie. And it could have got him in serious trouble. In fact, it almost did. Abimelech reached out, sent for, said, bring, bring that woman to me. And, and he was going to make her part of his harem. He's going to take her as his wife. But God, in his mercy and with his grace, showed up in a dream and warned Abimelech, you fixing to make a mistake that's going to bring the judgment of God down on your head. And so he called Abraham in the next morning and said, what in the world is going on here? You told me this is your sister, and I've discovered during the night in a dream she's your wife. Abraham said, well, you, know, you don't understand she's my half-sister. And, and uh, they got it all straightened out, and God in his mercy kept them from, from some serious judgment. But the point I want to make is 40 years later, remember Isaac, Abraham's son? 40 years later, later Genesis 26, 6 and 7. So Isaac dwelt in Gabar, Gerar, and the men of the place asked about his wife, and he said, She's my sister. For he was afraid to say she's my wife because he thought, lest the men of that place kill me for Rebecca because she's a beautiful to behold. And one thing you can say about these Jewish guys, they, they know them pretty women. <laughs> Abraham had a pretty wife, and Isaac had a pretty wife, and Isaac was afraid the same fear with the same fear that Abraham had. You, do, do you see that? Do you see that propensity following down to, to the next generation? And, and he had a weakness in his faith in the same area. But he didn't tell a half-truth. He told a plain old lie. Rebecca was not even his half-sister. She was not his sister at all. He just plain lied. And God was merciful to him as well. And fortunately, bailed, bailed him out. What happened was the king looked out one day and he, he saw Isaac and, and Rebecca and, and the way they were kissing was not the way brothers and sisters kiss. And so he called Isaac in and he said, something wrong with you? I got a feeling that ain't your sister. I got, I got a feeling that's your wife. And Isaac broke down and told the truth. And, and again, God was merciful. But what I'm saying is he, he, fell into the same sin, same trap, same deal that his father Abraham did. Look at it in the life of David. As great a king as David was, the greatest king of Israel, and yet he had a lust problem. That's what got him in trouble with Bathsheba. Now, listen, listen to me, men. The devil will tell you when you sin that it doesn't hurt anybody but yourself. That is a lie of the devil. Sin always hurts more than just you. David sinned, committed adultery with Bathsheba, 
And in his family, his, his son Ammon raped his own half-sister. His son Solomon had 300 wives and 700 concubines. What starts in moderation in one generation often explodes in future generations. So be careful. It's important. There were three, there were three spirits that David unfortunately opened a door to that got into his family and wreaked havoc in his family. One of them was strife. Adonijah, his own son, stirred up strife constantly in David's family. Please don't raise your hand, but I want to ask you this question. Any of you got anybody in your family that stirs up strife? Every time the family gets together, they get something going, don't they? You're afraid to answer the phone when they call because you don't know who they're gossiping on in the family now. You know, is, is somebody that just kind of keeps stuff stirred up? Well, David had one of those in his family. It's a spirit. And he didn't deal with it. There was also the, the immoral spirit. I mentioned Ammon a while ago that was in his family. And then there was rebellion. His own son Absalom came against him and took the kingdom away from him for a while. So the curses, according to the scripture, from your life, when you're sowing bad seed... By the way you live, there's, there's a whole lot of people that sow, sow their, I heard a guy say one time, I sowed my wild oats and then I prayed for a crop failure. <laughs> well, let me tell you, when you sow your wild oats, the seeds come up and it affects how far? The third and fourth generation. It, it affects them. Now that's the negative side. But I want to talk to you about the blessings. Anybody interested in the blessings? Yes. Glory to God. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Oh, glory to God. I love this about our Heavenly Father. The good is always better than the bad. Amen. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Hallelujah. God has, oh yeah, the, the, the curse may, may go to the third and fourth generation, but the blessings go to a thousand generations. Oh, praise God. I don't have time to get into it this morning. We'll probably touch on this and maybe deal with it a little more in depth a little bit later on this month. But, but uh, Paul talks about that, that you can build a memorial in the throne room of God with your prayers. Praise God. That's the reason my daddy got saved after 40 years of sowing wild oats and living for the devil because he had a praying mama that, that built so much prayer in the throne room of God till he saw her tears and heard her prayers and in fact he saved all of her kids and then the blessings kicks in 
And when the blessings kick in, they don't just go to the third and fourth generations. I'm here to tell you this morning, the blessings that I've been praying for for my family, God's blessing my children, God's blessing my grandchildren, God's blessing my great-grandchildren, and God's going to bless the next generation. And if Jesus tarries, he's going to bless the one after that one and the one after that one. And, uh, and if Jesus tarries, a thousand generations from now, you're going to see the blessings of God still touching our family because the blessings far surpass the curses. In fact, I've got even better news than that. I want to tell you how to, how to have some generational repair work done. You interested in that? Anybody want to know how to, to repair it? Did, did you know we can get this curse thing stopped and get the blessing started? Would that, would that encourage anybody? I, one of the things that concerns me is I've been so negative for the last few minutes. I'm afraid that some of you are sitting here thinking, oh, my Lord, I have had it. Good time of living. The stuff that I have done and the way I have lived in the past, I am ruined. My family's ruined. There's no hope for me. There's no hope for the future. They're all going to be. <coughs> have you ever heard anybody say alcoholism, just, it just runs in our family or, or it, drug addiction just runs in our family? Well, it, it does, but there's a fix for that. And I want to tell you about the fix. You can repair that. First of all, let, let, let's understand something. 280 times in this Bible, the Scripture, God, when he's talking about family, he uses the word seed. And, and that word seed, referring to God's people, comes from the root word sperma. It's the same word from which we get the word sperm. At conception, and it, it, it's amazing how science just in the last few years have just uh, uh, been able to discover some amazing things. Did you know that at the moment of conception, there is a, there's a flash of light? Did you know they discovered that now? That's scientific fact. At the moment of conception, when the, sea, when, the, when the sperm and the egg unite and there's a sudden burst of life, light, light. They've been able to see that under the microscope. It, it's scientific truth. I, I think of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Scripture, you'll find light and life connected. In fact, throughout the whole book of St. John, he talks about life and light, and it's all in Jesus Christ. Praise God. We, we knew from the Bible a long time before the scientists discovered it. At the moment of life, there is light <laughs> Glory to God. What happens here is that 23 chromosomes from the male unite with 23 chromosomes from the female, and those 46 chromosomes become the DNA of that, of that new life that's being formed. If the X chromosome connects with the, uh, uh, with the Y chromosome, you get, a, you get a male. If the X chromosome connects with the other X chromosome, uh, I'm sorry, if the X chromosome and the X chromosome unite, you get a girl. If the X and the Y unite, you got a boy. And, and that's it. 
Listen, all that, listen this, this, don't buy into this gender confusion. I mean, it's gotten so out of hand. Our politicians, bless their heart, pray for them, please. Somebody told me the other day that one of our politicians said, I'm going to vote against daylight savings time because there's some plants that just don't need another hour of daylight every day. <laughs> Think about that a while. <laughs> they, they've gone wild with it. They, 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 they don't even know where it ends now. They, they, when they're trying to define gender now, they've come up with three, four, five, six, seven, ten, twelve, fifteen. No. X and X, a girl. Y and X, a boy. That's it. However, I, I got some real good news for you. You know that uh, when, when, when that happens, when those chromosomes are, are defined in the, in the new life, the, the whole genetic code is there. They, that's how they figure out this DNA, and it's amazing what they can do with all this stuff now. The blood types there also, and and you can follow it. And Jesus explained a little bit of this when he was talking to Philip in John fourteen eight and nine. Philip said to him, "Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us." Jesus said to him, "Have I been so long with you, Philip, that that you don't you don't know the Father? If you've known me, you should know the Father." He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? In other words, what Jesus is saying, so let, let, let me explain something here. This is the way it works. The genetic code, the DNA that's passed down. He said, uh, if you've seen me, you've seen my, the Father. If you want to see the Father's hands, just look at these hands and see what they do. Watch these hands. Lay hands on sick people and they get well. Blinded eyes and they're open. Deaf ears and they're unstopped. If, if you want to see the, the feet of the Father, just watch where these feet go. Watch them walk on water. <laughs> if, if, if you want to see the mouth of the Father, just listen to what I say when I'm rebuking the winds and the waves and telling the sea to lie down and be quiet. Or when I'm screaming uh, aloud at a tomb and saying, Lazarus, come forth and He's resurrected from the dead. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I just came to show you the Father. That, that's what happens generationally when we, we're, we show the Father. So it, <laughs> here, here's the problem. I go, I go back to the, my, my biggest concern. Some of you may still be sitting here and you're saying, boy, am, am I messed up. I have, I have genetically encoded into my family curses and, and, and it's hopeless. That's where you're wrong. You ready for some good news? Say good news. Here it is. Punch your neighbor. Say, wake up. Some good news is about to get here.
<laughs> I want to, if you miss everything that I've said up to this point, I want you to get this right here. You ready? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23 says, having been born again. Let me stop right there. How many of you have been born? Good time of living. Somebody call the undertaker. We got some dead folks in here this morning. <laughs> Let me say it again. How many of you have been born? Listen, if you hadn't been born, please see me after church. I want to I see if I can figure out how you got here. <laughs> they drop you off of a spaceship or what, you know. No, we have all been born. You understand that? That's how you get in the human family. You got to be born. That's the way we got here, all of us. Everybody in this room, everybody's included. Having been born, we've been born. That's the way you get into the natural human family that you're in. By the way, you didn't have any choice about it either. A little sideline, you know, sometimes I jump off on these rabbit trails. I, I got to thinking the other day, everybody that I've heard of that's a, that, that is in favor of abortion has already been born. That seems so unfair to me. Why weren't you for it before you got born? What is, you know, you're safe. You're already here. <laughs> you didn't have a choice on your first family, but you got a choice. on. He said, having been born again. Did you know you can be born again? Yeah. Jesus shared that good news with John the Baptist. He said, hey, man, you can be born again. Nicodemus said, I can't figure that out. How in the world can that happen? He said, well, don't happen like you think it does, but you can be born again. In fact, if you've been born once, you're going to die twice. But if you've been born twice, you only die once. I don't have time to explain that. We... <laughs> Born again, born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruption through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. In other words, there can come a halt to this curse. My dad and I spent a lot of time talking about this when I got on up and dating age and was looking towards marriage. My dad was so concerned. My, you've heard his story. My dad lived such a bad life for 40 years. He was an alcoholic, a compulsive gambler, a womanizer, a, spent time in the Atlanta penitentiary. He was a bad dude. And he was so concerned that I might inherit some of those traits. He was real concerned about that. He was real concerned about alcohol. He was real concerned about chasing women. He was real concerned about gambling. He was real concerned about, uh, about all these things and several others. But when we saw this promise in the Word for those that have been born again, we realize that there's a place where you stop this curse and start the blessing. Let me read to you, and I'll close with this, from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. Here's Paul preaching a sermon 
to the church at Corinth. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, that's a hard message right there. He's telling, telling you right now, everybody's not going to heaven. That's basically what he's saying. And then he starts listing their sins. He said, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor rilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Just not going to happen. God's a holy God. And his heavenly home is a holy place. But look what he said next. And such were some of you. Boy, he's looking out at that Corinthian church said, I just listed a whole bunch of sins and I could add some more to them. And he said, some of you, that's exactly what you've been. Paul could probably preach that sermon at New Hope this morning. But here's the good news. <clears throat> and such were some of you, but thank the Lord. You were washed. You were sanctified. And you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. In other words, he said, y'all been born again. Woo, glory. Glory, 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 glory. I'm, 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 I'm about to get in some shouting, shouting territory right here, okay? So, so stay with me, and I'll try not to run over. I ran way over in the first service, and I apologize. I'm about to do the same. I'm just go ahead and warn you so I don't have to apologize. <laughs> But you don't want to miss this last part because this is the good part. If you run out now, all you got is the bad part. So stay with me just a few minutes. What Paul is saying, some of you have messed up bad, big time. Some of you messed up so bad that you're you, you going to affect the next one, two, maybe all the way to the fourth generation. You, your family is just ruined with a curse except for the fact. Thank God. Regardless of what you were, you've been washed. In other words, the blood of Jesus Christ, when you got born again, washed away all of that sin. Glory to God. Now, he didn't just stop with that. He didn't just stop by saying, God has forgiven you for all your sin. I thank God for that. I'm glad God saved me and cleansed me from all of my sins. But I'm thankful for the next step. And I wish everybody in here would get that next step. He said, you didn't, you've not only been born again. Thank God you've been sanctified. You, you've been set up part. The Holy Spirit has done a work in your life where he has transformed you. He has changed you. He's, he's taken that DNA and turned it into a, a, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away and all things have become new. You're a, you're a different person than you used to be. Glory to God. Not only that, not only have you been sanctified, I love this next term. He threw that word justified in there. He said, God has made you just as if you had never sinned. Oh, my goodness, folks, if you've been born again, sanctified, touched by the power of his Holy Spirit, you ought to be rejoicing this morning that God's made you like you'd never sinned, just like you'd never sinned, just like you'd never sinned. 
The Bible said Jesus redeemed us from the curse. Hallelujah. Being made a curse for us. He took all that curse when he went to the cross of Calvary. So he stopped it right there. That when my dad gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ, although he was 40 years of age and, and, and had all of that bad stuff that was fixing to go to the next generation, it stopped right there. Glory to God. He got a brand new DNA. He got a brand new start, became a new creature in Christ Jesus and started acting like it, living like it, praying like it and and stop that curse right there he said it stops right here i'm not going to have that it's not going to go any further we agreed to that we agreed that it's not going to go any further that curse stopped and the blessings of god started i'm a recipient of the blessings of god hallelujah hallelujah and your children can be recipients of the blessings of God. Hallelujah. Stand with me so I'll stop preaching and we, we can pray. Praise God. Woo, glory. Glory, 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 glory. I remind you again, God cares more about your family even than you do. And you can do something about it today. You can do something about it. You can, you, you can say on this Sunday morning, the first, this is the first Sunday in March, isn't it? First Sunday in March, there's going to be a change in my family. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm renouncing the curse, and I'm claiming the blessing. Yes. Hallelujah. With your heads bowed for a moment, I want the prayer team to come quickly, if you will, please. All, all those that are helping us in prayer today, we're going we're to pray. I want to give you an opportunity to come and pray. If you have needs in your, your life that you want somebody to help you pray about, if you're unsaved, you want to talk to somebody, they can help lead you in that prayer. If you're unsure of how to, uh, to accept the Lord, that, that we've got people who will be glad to do that help you with that. We Maybe you want to be prayed for for your healing for your body. Whatever you need this morning, they're here. So I want you to feel free to come to these as we come. But, but I want all of you today who will say, Preacher, I, I'm one of those that's concerned about my family. And I, I'm, I'm just going to make a step towards the altar by faith today and I'm going to take a few minutes to pray for my family and I'm going to pray and I'm going to rebuke the curse and invoke the blessing on my family I'm going to start proclaiming I started this years ago by the words of your mouth you're justified by the words of your mouth you're condemned it's important what you say I started years ago in fact I started before my children were born and after they were born I stood and looked through the glass at the nursery and I said in the name of Jesus you're going to serve God in the name of Jesus you're going to be blessed of the Lord and I declare daily that all of my children are taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children I declare daily that not a single person from my family line will be lost, but they'll all be saved and filled with the Spirit of God and live in God's presence forever and eternally. I proclaim that. I believe for that. I confess that. Hallelujah. 
And if you want the blessings of God on your family, I want you to just come on towards the altar. And those of you that want special prayer, come on with these and find somebody here to pray with you. But I want everybody else to come and, and just take a few minutes. We're going to close in just a minute. Pastor Steve's going to lead us in a song, and we're going to pray for our families right now. You, you, you said that if you could ask God for one thing, you'd ask God for your family. So come on, let's pray for our families this morning. Pray for our families.